This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. WBUR Podcasts, Boston. <laughs> what are you giggling about? I don't know. We haven't even started and I'm already... I'm just in a mood. So I have an animal story for you today, Ben. Love it. Although I've really been thinking of it as more of a music story related to animals, perhaps. Animals and music? I mean, this <laughs> might as well be. I don't want to too much uh, away, but it might be related. Disney's to Robin Hood. I'm ready. Let's <laughs> sing us some songs together. All right. Okay. So, first, I'm going to play you a little melody that I recorded on piano, and I want you to just tell me if you recognize it. I don't recognize it, but my favorite part of it and the thing that reminds me of something is that like the little suspended I don't even know what that the musical term for that suspended fifth. I don't know what it is. And then it comes back to the tonic or whatever. And it reminds me of Weezer. I'm not sure why, but that's what I got. So I sort of set you up for failure in terms of recognizing this specific, like being able to identify what this is, because this is a quote unquote original melody. And I say quote unquote because I kind of stole it. (laughs) Did you steal Um, it from a burb? I did. <laughs> I knew you stole it from a I bird. I stole it from a bird. So um, so here is the original source. And you're going to have to listen very, very closely because this was recorded on an older phone of mine. Okay, so can you hear it in there? Wow, it was pretty cranked. I was standing next to the window when I recorded it. What I hear in that bird song is, I want to say it's like a bird that I recognize from dawn. That's like a dawn, a bird sound that comes in the morning. Very good, yes. And also, I'm going to say, I'm just going to guess that it's also like a springtime bird song. I mean, maybe yes. all bird song is springtime. Although I will say, I mean, it, it. I won't give anything away at this point, but I will say, like, birds don't just have one call. We They do have the classic call. Yeah, they got bars. Birds got bars. They've got repertoire. Yeah. Yeah. 
So um, you're absolutely right. I recorded this on April 7th, 2017. So six years ago. Okay. And I just labeled it pre-dawn birdsong in my phone. It was one of those spring mornings where you don't really mind being woken up by the birds because you're like, thank God the birds are back. You're like, you're like the planet is alive again. We're alive, yeah. Yes. So I, I like yes. got out of bed half awake at like five in the morning and I'm standing by the window recording this because through this kind of chaotic bird chatter, that melody, the do-do-do-do-do-do-do, was coming through loud and clear in my brain, at least, in my half-awake brain. So that may sound totally crazy. I get it. <laughs> like, like, that's not what that bird was doing, but okay. Um, but I recently found some affirmation that I'm not completely crazy uh, from Reddit, or at least that I'm not alone in thinking hmm. about bird song from a human musical perspective. So there's this post in the Ask Science subreddit that was made about a year ago by a Redditor who goes by Modern Martial Artist. Cool. The title of the post was, Do Birds Sing in Certain Keys Consisting of Standardized Notes? And then the body of the post reads, For instance, do they use certain standards between frequencies, like how we have whole steps, which sounds like this, as opposed to a half step, which sounds like the Jaws theme, sort of. Do they have fifths? The distance between the first note in a scale and the fifth note? I'm more of a thirds and sevenths man myself, so... (laughs) To each their own. They ask, do they use different tunings? If so, is there a standard for certain species with all the birds using the same? Are there dialects with different regions of the same species using different tunings and intervals? Okay. Um, so, like, a, a flood of questions that this Redditor has. Have okay. you ever given this any thought yourself, Ben? I guess I've I've thought a lot about birdsong and how like it feels to me like we don't fully understand it and it feels more like a language. And then I've thought about how music is like a language. Yeah, I, I guess I've like mused on it, but I haven't put any deep thought into it. Yeah, well, I, I, you're spot on in saying that we're we're trying to understand it, and this was mm. reflected in the top comment, which comes from the Redditor Kilo Tesla. (laughs) Um, They write, this subject has long been of interest to ornithologists, musicians, and musicologists. It's tricky to study because musical training can help you parse sounds in a detailed analytical way, but it can also lead to hearing it in a framework that could impose human musical structure beyond what is inherent in the actual birdsong, which is a fancy way of saying, like, this is exactly what I was doing (laughs) when I heard that, you know, birdsong in bed and I get out of bed and I decide, oh, it's this bird is singing this melody. And that bird is like, no, I'm not singing that melody. And I'm like, too bad. You're singing this melody (laughs) because I'm imposing my own, like, musical framework onto it. Um, They go on, ethnomusicologists attempt to do something similar when they study non-Western music, which can use different tunings and structural concepts. So Western music, we typically use a 12-note scale that has, you know, 12 distinct scale degrees. 
Okay. Um, but, you know, in non-Western music, in a lot of Eastern music, there are what's called microtones, which are between the 12 notes that we acknowledge. Yep. So then they cite this master's thesis from 2020, as you do, by a guy named Peter McGarry at the University of Huddersfield in England. Oh, P. McGarry. Yeah. Love him. Yep. Uh, His thesis is called The Musical Influences of Nature, very fitting, which talks specifically about Bella Bartok. Oh, love me some Bartok. Yeah, we're going to listen to a little Bartok because he writes, Bella Bartok was very much influenced by the birds of Northern America and features them in his piano concerto number three. Writing to his son, he wrote, quote, The birds have become completely drunk with the spring and are putting on concerts the like of which I've never heard. Ooh, I love that. Let's just listen to that. Screw this podcast. Sounds good. <laughs> it's it's so much more tense and dissonant. And those the sort of like less dissonant bits are like much more sort of passing than what you played for me. I know what you played was like much more simplistic and you're not Bella Bartok, but you, you, that's my first impressions of Bella Bartok's version of this. Yeah. I mean, I think I think he is taking a more literal um, approach to or literal is not the right word, but it's almost as if he tried to actually transcribe exactly what he was hearing. Mm. Whereas my approach is not. (laughs) It was just I heard the bird song. The melody that I heard cutting through was much more of a, you know, human melody than me trying to actually transcribe what I am hearing note for note. Mm. I want to mention one other thing that the top commenter references, which is a 2008 article in Transcultural Music Review that presents, quote, a zoo—oh, this is a hard word—zoomusicological case study on how birdsong might be like the human animal's music. Mm. This is from um, page 19, specifically, of that article. It says, quote, do pied butcher birds possess absolute pitch, also known as Perfect pitch. Um, So this person says, by all accounts, yes, they do possess perfect pitch. So I wanted to play a little Pied Butcher Bird. These are from Australia, and um, I just love them. Do you hear that little echo of a bird responding, like a call and response? Yeah, good pitch. Right? But are those birds that are within the earshot of each other? Because that, to me, wouldn't feel like perfect pitch. That would feel like um, some a bird being able to m- match pitch. Right. So this is not, that's not actually, um, the, the, the call and response here is just fun, but that's not a demonstration of perfect pitch. Because you're right, okay. it is just 
uh, a call and response. But it says one bird was recorded almost daily over a two and a half week period in 2002, producing five hours of recordings. Oh, now we're getting to the perfect pitch piece. Yeah. So two phrases with notes of almost constant frequency were chosen for every take. And the frequency at the beginning and ending of a song and at several midway points was measured. Results indicated a virtually imperceptible variation among renditions of the same phrase by the same individual. They also apparently have relative pitch, which means that they can transpose. You know, if they're like, I don't feel like singing. I want to be like, they can do that, too. But really, back to your first comment about how we are still learning more about this. Yeah. Two of my other favorite comments in this thread, one was by Happy by the Sea. They said, the BirdNet app from Cornell is brilliant. It not only accurately identifies all the birds in my garden, but while recording them, it produces a visual amplitude map so you can see the patterns of different species. There's another one called Merlin, I think, that's yes. also pretty so good. another commenter, yeah. uh, the IBWO lives, um, they say... If you want to help scientists figure out the answers to questions like these, download the app Merlin Bird ID. If volunteers from all over submit audio of, say, a white-throated sparrow, then scientists can compare the audio and track changes in vocalizations across time and space. So this is like an ongoing question. It's a crowdsourced effort. Maybe get a bird app and start recording some birds in your hood and upload it so that we can actually learn more about how they communicate with each other and whether they do um, sing in certain keys or not. Because we only think we know the answer right now, but we're just scratching the surface here. What a lovely story. Oh, speaking of the answer, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I almost forgot. So I was digging around before I knew about these apps. I was already digging around to try to um, figure out what this was, uh, what the the bird in my little song might be. I thought at first that it was the gray catbird. That was from the Mass Audubon Library of Bird Sounds. But then a couple weeks ago, Ben, I got home at about 5.30 in the morning from dropping someone off at the airport for a very early flight. Sounds like a good time. Great time. But when I got home, I heard what I thought was the same bird song. So, again, I hit record. Only this time I could see the bird doing the singing. And this, Ben, is a robin. It's just a robin. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, I love a robin. Yeah. Yeah. All right, robin. Now that I have these bird apps, I, I can actually record in the apps and will attempt to do so. Um, but in the meantime... I think I have both solved the mystery of the bird behind my bird song, and I've learned about ways that we can all learn more about bird song. And I think that's pretty neat. That is really neat. And I have a relevant uh, shot chaser oh, story yeah? for you. Okay, yeah. I'm ready. Um, 
Okay. We'll be right back. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth, once and for all. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig. Amory. Ben. How do you feel about locusts? Love a locust. <laughs> you love a locust? No. Do you? I, I can't say I've ever given a single thought to locusts in my life. What about aphids? Is that a, um, that's just another type of uh, bug? Yeah, what about grasshoppies? Oh, I love a grasshopper. <laughs> They're a little surprising. They're a little unpredictable, but that's mm. that's part of what makes them fun. What about the bees? You know, we need them. They make me nervous, but we need them. Yeah. So, I'd, I'd defend a bee. You'd defend a bee? Uh-huh. How would you defend a bee? With my bare hands. Mm, Wrong that's answer. That's not going to work very well. No. <laughs> Not against what's coming for the bees. Oh, no. All right. You ready for another Ask Science question and answer? Yeah. Posted by Thoughtless Uphill. What happened to all the bugs that used to splatter on the windshield years ago? <laughs> Did they go anywhere? <laughs> the only answer, it, it, it like the, the body of this post... 
just says, edit. Well, now I'm depressed. Uh Uh-oh. The top comment on this post is, weirdly enough, from a user named Outliver. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And it says, a study mostly executed in Canada and Germany has shown a global decline of 75% over the past 27 years, locally up to 90%. Not necessarily in biodiversity, but in the overall biomass of insect populations. Hmm. Here's the link, and they link to the study. The study was mostly done in protected areas, apparently, um, to you know get a better idea of the overall population. Um, and apparently there's also a documentary about this, and then another person jumps in with the username Radioactive Squid. <laughs> and they say, another study I saw and kept bookmarked was that with rising CO2 levels, grasses are bulking up but lack the calories herbivorous insects need to stay alive. Grasshoppers have been found to eat and eat and eat and can't get enough nutrition from the plants. This study was also done in preserved areas far from human interference. Oh, no. (sighs) Okay, and so there's a link to that study. Okay. Uh, The next comment is from the first um, username that doesn't make sense for this topic or make vague sense for this topic. It doesn't seem to be animal-based. B-B-R-H-U-F-T. That user says, Also, insects don't have lungs. They absorb air passively. Did you know that? Nope. I did not know that. Did not. I wonder if they're especially sensitive to elevated CO2 levels, this person ponders, seems to be confirmed by this study. And they say there needs to be more research on this. So they link to another study. And this is pretty scary, I think. Because when you think about all the things, you know, insects are at the bottom of the food chain, right? Or they're pretty low, right? And when you think about frogs, when you think about birds, when you think about the animals that eat the frogs and birds, when you think about the animals, you know what I mean? Like when you just think about this. Insects are a pretty crucial part of our environment, I think. And it is scary to think about, especially in springtime, right? When you think about that book, Silent Spring, when you think about, you know, that beautiful bird song that really, you know, won't happen without, you know, a whole mess of insects. And you think about the insect population dying off. I mean, we used to just hit them with our windshields, but it sounds like more serious things are happening to these bugs. Well, is there anything being done? Is there anything we can do to get the grasshoppers their nutrition? You got the perfect question at the right time. And now I'm wondering if you are indeed user X Speed Demon XX. <laughs> I'll never tell. Triple X Speed Demon. <laughs> because this user, aka Amory Sievertson, wrote. <laughs> What can an individual do to help insect biodiversity specifically, not just recycling and normal climate awareness and action, but specifically for the bugs? Yeah. So the answer is not defending them necessarily with your hands, not defending the bees with your bare hands necessarily, unless you count using your bare hands as creating habitats 
says Genesis. If you have a lawn, put flower beds instead, particularly ones filled with local wildflowers. Emphasis on local. Don't just order any old seed packet, as they may contain seeds of species that are invasive to your area. Well, I mean, they should listen to our episode about invasives, worm wars. Look for a local organization whose mandate is to encourage biodiversity. They should have something. If you don't have a lawn, get involved in your community making unused spaces into garden space. Heck, even some planters on a balcony can help if you're on a lower floor. Hmm. So the answer is plant some plant some wild things. Yeah. I I did try that one. I think it was like the first summer that that we lived in our current spot and I I planted wildflowers. I admit I don't know if they were local wildflowers or not. You'd have to ask the local hardware store, but um, mm-hmm. but I plant I scattered all of these wildflower seeds and I got one wildflower. I got this one orange flower hey. that popped up. I'd like to think that made a tiny, tiny difference. But I, I am I am motivated to try again after hearing this. Yeah. Plant flowers and, you know, plants that attract a variety of bugs. I uh, have enjoyed planting things. And actually, you can create these little things. You can put these things in your garden that actually serve as like, <laughs> as sort of like high chair pedestals for dragonflies. Have you ever done that? No. What What does a dragonfly high chair pedestal look like, Ben? <laughs> it's just like a tiny, tall thing that stands up in your garden. And if you plant How things tall? for pollinators, well, it depends. But, it, you know, tall enough that, like, it can comfortably alight on it and still be high up in your garden. Okay. And if you do that, then you will attract, potentially attract, dragonflies. And dragonflies eat those mosquitoes, if you know what I mean. So get some dragonflies (laughs) in your garden. And uh, I'm not saying all insect death is bad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mosquitoes can go straight to hell. (laughs) (laughs) It's springtime, folks. Get out there. Get some wildflowers. Toss them around like Johnny Appleseed. Get out there. Do it for the bugs. Yeah. Do it for the bugs. That's our message to y'all, folks. Do it for the bugs. And the birds. And the birds. And the bees, and the which bees. is a bug, I think. <laughs> All right, folks, that's it for us this week. This episode was produced by yours truly, Amory Sievertson, and our podcast homie, Nora Sachs. Maybe a dangerous proposition when you're talking about the birds and the bees, but you know what we'd love to see pictures of? Your garden. Yes, your garden. Uh, send us pictures of your garden at endlessthread at wbur.org, or you can post them to our subreddit, you know, PMS your starts, girl, as they say. This episode was sound designed by Emily Jankowski. Talk to you soon. <laughs>